Hi, welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me is my co-host, Clay Williams. So, Hugh Jackman has growled mm. more than most men, right? Like, I, like, I, I, like, he's, like, in his career, like, he's probably had to do five takes in a row of just him growling. Like, For intimidation? Well, yeah, I mean, like, in, in these movies, like, he's been playing Wolverine for, you know, he played Wolverine for quite years. a while. But, and he just growled. Like, do you know anyone who growls? I don't know anyone who growls. It, like, actors or just... Just people in general, it's... man. Do you have, like, a friend I that do growls? Not. No? That'd be strange, yeah. No, I'm, I, don't either, I don't either, but he's, he's, a, he's a growler. He growls. Growl, growl. He does. Is this... <laughs> Is this like, I mean, because the character Wolverine is kind of like an animal. Yeah. Savage. Yeah. So I mean, they're barbaric, and uh, yeah, I, I I think it would make sense that there's a lot of growling going oh, on. Oh yeah, but I'm just I'm just imagining him as an actor, like acting growling. Like he has to like he has to like all right, am I growling at the right tempo here? Okay, I need to <laughs> growl at this precise moment. Yes, like a dialect okay. coach. All right, uh, can we do another growl take? Come on, another growl take, please. It's just like I, I got, I got to get my head you in the right space. We have to go home. We have to. It's it's midnight. <laughs> like Ang Lee when he was doing like the Hulk. Cool story. Yeah. Thank you so much for that information about Ang Lee's The Hulk, everyone's favorite comic book movie. It's a good movie. It's good. <laughs> Well, speaking of comic book movies, we have yeah. a special, special guest. I'm a professional. That was a great transition. Thank you very much. Uh, we have Inner Geekdom champion, Kevin Smets. Great segue. I got to give you 10 points for your segue there. That was thank good. you. Thank you. It's a five-point segue. I'm excited we're talking about Logan, and we're not talking about RIPD or Men in Black 2. So let's, uh, I'm excited for that. I heard Men in Black it's an IG movie? Oh my god. Oh man. I heard, yeah, it's based off a comic book, I think. If I remember correctly. Oh, it is? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some good ones that are random that are that I like. Like, History of Violence is good. Road to Road Perdition. Road to Perdition. Yep. Oh, yeah. History of Violence. Oh my gosh. All other ones on the fringe where you're just like, oh, like, what? I mean, I, I don't mind American Splendor. That's a pretty good one, actually. But that's based mm. on a comic It's based off a graphic novel or a comic book. You gotta know. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you wouldn't even think of what is and what isn't. Atomic Blonde, that's a comic book movie. Yep. The yep. Kitchen, yeah, the there's movie with Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> the Kitchen. <laughs> Valerian, The City of a Thousand Planets is a comic book movie. Oh, oh is it? Tell me that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> it might, well, I guess maybe it might be a mat, uh, a Magna, or I can't pronounce that, um. Yes, anime. No, I get, that's a different. Like, I don't know if Edge of Tomorrow is too. That may be that. a manga. Yeah, yeah. All, all you need is kill. That was the original title of uh, yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. I think for IG, my mind always goes to franchises, and I think many others do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You got movies like The Shadow, The Phantom, these weird fringe movies that uh that will Dick get Tracy. You. Dick Tracy is yeah for sure. <laughs> Popeye, Howard, the duck. Mm, yeah, Popeye. Mm. Directed by uh, Robert Altman. Uh, that that's one. <laughs> like, yeah. Never... Creep Show is a comic book movie. Attention. Wow, that's a pull. George Romero. 
Yeah, no, that's yeah, champion. creep show. <laughs> yeah, he's the champ, right? Well, I'm glad that we're. I didn't. I'm glad we went a little more mainstream for this one for sure. Right, you know, and was, not only, but and yeah, giving you guys not only happy. mainstream, but just what many people would consider the best of the decade, right? Come up right. movie wise, it's 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 up there. It's top. It, like not to if have I had that to go conversation too early, but. Yeah, because, well, 2008 is not in the 2010s, because I always think of The Dark Knight. Yeah, what what else? What else? Panther comes okay. to mind. Yeah, Endgame now, everybody, you know, puts that up there. If you take out MCU, I think it's Spider-Verse in this movie. Love Spider-Verse. Those are the two comic book movies that people are like, those are, like, those are, like, actual, like, amazing and pieces of more. filmmaking. Yeah. Fantastic Four. Yes, that's re- everyone's yeah. favorite. The, yeah, the trend cut. Have you heard of it? You know, we, we need that trend cut out right this second. Everybody, at least the trend cut. Yeah, I would say Logan. I mean, it's it's just and it's a great piece of cinema. I I'm shocked that it didn't have, get more awards love. To be honest, mm. you know what I mean. Best I remember. Adapted, though, right. Yeah, best adapted. That was the first time in a comic book movie was ever nominated for a screenplay nom or I, it, and yeah then there was this past year you, you mean 2018 yeah i mean and then joker came oh well yeah that yeah. i just did i didn't even think of that all right um let's move on. <laughs> uh uh yeah but um what was i gonna say or no i forget it was there nominated, but did it win for Best Adapted, or did it just get nominated? It lost to Call Me By Your Name. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, my, I think... I, I'll thank you in the, uh, in the speech. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that they threw this at least a bone, but um, I, I find it interesting this was at least the... The thing that it was nominated for, because um, I know some of this, some of the criticism was that it's an unconventional comic book movie, but it's a conventional movie. Yeah, you hear what I'm saying? So. Yeah, no, well, yeah, it's like the, a lot of the, it's a lot of the criticism. Or, I mean, this isn't like a heavily criticized movie, but the criticisms that are there is like it's heavily, it's kind of obviously a western. It, it's a homage to westerns. It's like, you know, it might be a little too on the nose with the Western references, that kind of stuff. Like, it is, like, it doesn't, I I love this movie. Groundbreaking is a weird word to use, and I don't think it really serves it for this film, because it uses such classic techniques in storytelling, whether it be, you know, the hero's journey, the uh, father-daughter relationship. But I think it weaves it into, like, an already established universe to make it seem, to make it feel groundbreaking. Yeah. Uh, especially in the state movies were in 2017, where Marvel was getting i mean it was already pretty big but it was almost like unpeach unimpeachable back at that point like everything was just clicking on all cylinders i like where it broke through some of the tropes though like you had like the limousine flying through the desert and you think it's gonna crash right through the gate and then it could stop you know yes that's or, a great moment right dr rice is making a speech and then logan just doesn't even let him finish it and just puts a bullet in him <laughs> yeah. so it did have its fun, like breaking some of those stereotypes. But I totally mm-hmm. agree with you. But I think that's what gives it that 
you know, that little familiarity too, you know, and then it helps when they have like Shane, when you get to watch like a piece of an old school Western too. And that kind of just puts your brain in that space that you're kind of letting you know, like, Hey, you're kind of watching a Western here, you know? Mm. And I love when she at the end too the speech from Shane. Oh, it's really, it's really poignant um, and Mm. heartfelt. Um, I think the thing is with this movie is whether whoever likes it or not, you can't argue that Mangold really understands thematically what he's trying to say um even if maybe it might be on the nose like him like Wolverine uh, facing his old self that kind of thing but it's he feels very confident and very like in control of this is this is the theme of this movie you know this is the thematic residence that we're trying to build with these characters um Mm. and I really appreciate appreciate it for that um yeah yeah. it seems like a very worthy send-off and whether or not it's uh settle i don't think he cared much because he's just like i want to give this uh the proper exit that it deserves because it's a character that's been beloved for uh 20 years and it's he almost is a cowboy or he at least evolved into one um without even uh putting him into a western setting yeah it's funny headcanon i always like when he dies, I imagine it's the last scene in Days of Future Past, <laughs> and he wakes up, and it's the height of the X Men, and when he's going through and he sees all the people from the original. Trilogy. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's his last. Those are his last thoughts. Is you know that you know that uh, of him a, waking up in future. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good take. That's a weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that makes that would make sense. Um, especially since they kind of. It's weird how they connect to. Um, the timeline because like the fox x-men movies are the like most notable like none of this makes fucking sense we don't keep track you can you can try to think of a timeline that has some that makes some sense with all of these prequel random prequels we do no we 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 don't care um and either that's a deliberate story choice or it's just because like they they're poorly managed i i think it's both um (laughs) depends on the specific movie um but yeah too like the statue of liberty part which by the way is funny because he keeps mentioning liberty but he's talking about the motel that um uh gabrielle is staying at with laura it's the liberty mm-hmm. motel but you know logan doesn't know what he's talking about xavier so he's just like yeah the statue of liberty was a long time ago but it's like it's like okay so that is in the timeline that x-men from 2000 happened you know what i mean yeah the first x yeah exactly because that was like the final showdown so like Okay, so that's maybe part of it, and there's... But, like, it's interesting, though, because, like... So, I was thinking... Because I was trying to notice a little more details in this one, um, in this viewing. This is my, like, fourth time seeing it. Um, and I paused... So, when he's looking through the files, I paused... Uh, of the kids. Sorry, I need to explain a little more. When he's looking through the uh, files of the uh, cloned kids... Um, at the hotel, he sees like basically their whole profile, like source DNA, their caretaker, whatever, whatever you see on the document. And their source DNA is specific characters referenced in um, X-Men comic books. Um, and it kind of ref- like it would think that it would reference that, oh, they existed in this universe. But they put like the two kids, the leader and um, and the other kid that is shown right before Laura their care their source dna comes from c-list characters that we've never seen before you would think it would be like bishop or 
um, or uh, Scott Summers. But it's just like so. It, there's even even in the Easter eggs, they distance themselves even more from the like actual movies, and cool. I find that an interesting choice. Too many movies have the you know the galaxy too small. Like you had Chewbacca was hanging out with Yoda in Revenge of the Sith. Like, mm-hmm. like that's yeah, a cool. That's yeah. a smaller galaxy because I mean, you know, there's people. I went to school at San Diego State. Like it has been. You know, almost 20 years, I haven't ran into anyone. <laughs> you know, many people I haven't <laughs> run into. But we're saying that Chewbacca knew Yoda, you know what I mean? So I like that, like, yeah. they distanced themselves. It hasn't been a mutant birth in 25 years, right? Uh, a lot of the X-Men in it. So, um, yeah, but you're right. They could have done a lot of fan service, and just even with, like, character names, just to, like, you know, and they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Which I think is cool. He demonstrated a little bit of restraint, you know what I mean? So it wasn't a whole total fanboy movie yeah it is it's a pretty very much restrained to that in that way yeah it's an intelligent uh movie that i've only seen two x-men movies actually i've only seen the first and this you only saw would actually really? yeah and i'm embarrassed because i feel like it's such a prevalent pop culture uh you know i icon now if if that's not Will we consider it still popular? Oh yeah, it's very. It's well, I mean, it started the like <laughs> we know. can get in this conversation like a uh, yeah. like but long conversation how it started the superhero movement in the 2000s, blah blah blah. Yeah. And but it's yeah. very much prevalent. And it's like the fact that this one stands on its own is why it's gonna have such longevity. Um, You're proof of that. You watched it and like it's. It, it feels like a standalone movie that you were able to yeah. enjoy and it and it didn't rely on you needing to know everything from before. Yeah, that's good. That's so. so did you hit, like that? I'm curious about your thoughts on it then, from only seeing the first one, and then seeing this one. Yeah, amazing. No, the, I watch it's, the uh, first, it's, by the way. it's a good one. It was right mm-hmm. before Logan. It was from James Mangold too. So it falls apart in the third act, but it, it's it's about Japanese and samurai culture. And there's a mm-hmm. scene. You you've seen it, right? Like there's a scene. I've seen it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the there's... rain, where he has a samurai showdown with this samurai. Mm-hmm. War with the thunder it is my favorite scene probably in all comic book movies of all wow. maybe aside from portals i love portals but just that showdown with the music and just realize when the samurai realizes that there's nothing you can do i don't want to spoil too much of it but the wolverine yeah, sure almost no i need to rewatch it i need to rewatch it it's been a while but yeah no it's the thing the thing about logan is like the character is he's always had this mixed vibes of the lone gunman or the lone samurai and of course you know, yeah. the Western culture borrowed uh, a lot of samurai iconography into the, you know, Westerns of the 60s and 70s. Um, so there's that, you know, there's that cross po- um, pollution there of samurai and Western influences. But Logan has always had that mix because he he's either like he's actually had like a lot of storylines in Japan in the comics. And he's had storylines in you know, like in American Wasteland, like in the American West, and um, also he's had storylines in the Pacific Northwest a lot. He's actually a very, one of the more prevalent characters um, in, like, uh, north northern North America in all of comics. He's Canadian, and he's in a lot of, like, times, like, in, like, Washington or Oregon. He's a very weird. He's, like, all over the place, and I think that's, mm-hmm. I think the character itself has just this weird detailed history that's kind of hard to pin down. You can't just 
He's not just located in New York City like Spider-Man is. Like he's not. He's all over the place geographically. He's travel. Yeah, very much so. Um, but yeah, no. So this is your second time seeing this, Jack, right? It is. Yeah, and I hadn't seen it since. <clears throat> we can actually let's go into like our first experience seeing it actually. But the first time I saw this was in 2017 when it first came out. And I didn't. I knew that a rated R Wolverine movie was coming out, and I knew Hugh Jackman played Wolverine. But at the time, I hadn't seen the first X Men. And then after I saw this, was the first time I saw the first one. And I saw the trailer for this, which is one of the best trailers of the decade. Oh, so good. Um, at least would get. If Johnny uh, Cash was hurt, top like, ten, oh. yeah, with her, yeah, it is oh. just immaculate. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't understand how different it was. I just knew it. It was weird because I had seen like clips from the other movies, and it felt Star Warsy. Like the other movies were like it was fun and like energetic and uh, and kind of light, you know. Um, and but yeah, so this I was, and then I was just blown away. From what I saw, like it was, it was very visceral and arresting, and uh, and this this felt like something that was not a comic book movie, but with hindsight, it feels like The Irishman, you know. It's... Yeah, I see. That I get that actually comparison a lot because it is very much a meditation about age and our past and how that influences us and destroys our our ability to connect over time to other people, how it defines mm. us. And how, like, in the distancing between Logan and Laura also kind of feels like, oh, wow, that's a really good, that's a really good point. Yeah. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of that more. That makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I, this movie is, so. It's very, I, very so, good, very good movie, yeah. The first this time is gonna I, be, I, Clay, I feel like this is going to be another episode where it's like, yeah, good movie, where it's just going to be like, a lot of thoughts are going to end with that. <laughs> I, it will, but I also, I mean, I, I have to say, I have a lot to say surround, the surrounding the whole thing, because it is a weird relic in the comic book movie realm, in the sense of, it was the first, so, let me just give the spiel, for, the background spiel first, just so we can get this out of the way. So, after 2013's Wolverine, James Mangold um, was, like, kind of pissed that the studio interfered with that third act. He was a little yeah. jaded. He felt like he made, wanted to make most of, like, he felt like he got a lot of it the way he wanted to do it but that third act kind of you know just screwed him and so he was kind of jaded and didn't have the greatest relationship with fox and so he that so this is so 2013 so days of future past just comes out uh they're developing deadpool they're the x-men franchise itself is in this weird state of flux and transition so I, either Fox comes to him or he comes to Fox and basically like, I want to make another Wolverine movie, but I want to do my thing. And I want to do, I want to adapt old man Logan. Now old man Logan is a very different storyline from the comics written by Mike, Mark Millar, who's created like uh, who, um, who created the civil war comic book series. Um, like he's very, very famous. Um, Let's talk about old man Logan real quick. We're talking about United States. That was taken over by the villains. Hulk had his own area. I think Doctor mm-hmm. Doom, and then uh, hilarity ensues, right? But like yeah. you have you have him traveling with a blind Hawkeye, and the the one thing that was crazy is a symbiote, Venom symbiote on a uh, T Rex. Let that mm-hmm. sink in. Yeah. 
it's <laughs> it's a crazy comic book like um and it there's like and it's there's almost nothing that is directly adapted from the comic book into this movie it's just the overall idea of old mm-hmm. jaded logan with all of the x-men mercilessly like killed horribly in the comic he's tricked by mysterio into killing every single person at, uh, in um <clears throat> x-mansion i love that that was like a nod if you don't like it was a reverse nod of like you keep hearing yeah. where all the other x-men and you think you're going to see a flashback about that it was logan who did it and then you realize no like they kind of flipped the switch but i think it flipped the script a little bit but it was like you know as a, a, if you were a fan of the comic you kind of knew like oh yeah that, i see what they did there you know mm-hmm. um and with the mention of charles yeah he's not stopping you know i he's he's violent in the movie logan like from the get-go whereas in the Very comic violent. he hadn't used his claws i think in 50 years and he would get his ass kicked and refuse to use his claws and it wasn't until his family spoiler alert but it wasn't until his family was murdered that he finally was like, I, I'm not Logan, I'm the Wolverine or whatever. And then he just goes, hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that comic was such a huge hit. It started off like its whole new version of Old Man Blank. Like, there was yeah. Old Man Hawkeye, Old Man Peter Quill, Old old, old Man... Um, exactly. Um, and it was a huge hit. So Mangold's like, okay, I want to kind of profit off of this because it's a good idea to look at Wolverine and, like, basically this immortal figure this person who's lived through world war Two and like the civil war like someone who has like like yeah immortal what happens when he is old and what happens when he is you know, close to death what is that character like and so he runs with that shows his like has his own spin on it he asks for fox to basically like you're gonna give me you're gonna let me do rated r deadpool just came out and made a bajillion dollars you know, I'm like, I mean, he shot this right when Deadpool was coming out. So may, oh, it basically was like, you're right. giving them the rated R rating. I want that. And I also want complete creative control. You can give me notes, but I, you can't fuck me over like you did in the last movie. And that, and they were like, all right, cool. We're going to give you a smaller budget, though. Those are two huge, so like, precursors. It's always been implied that without Deadpool, this wouldn't exist. I get. I think the idea is they when they oh. said yes to Deadpool, they're like, we pro- we like we're we're open to this idea of R-rated movies. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about that. That's yeah, they're my... they're like a year apart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah. So it. Yeah. And so then Mangold writes his own thing, takes almost nothing from the actual storyline of Old Man Logan, and incorporates laura um yeah we can get get into maybe some of the also like comic connections later say it again hulk doesn't swallow logan in this movie and then logan flashes no and he doesn't Um, have kids that are like isn't isn't like doesn't he have like ins like isn't doesn't he have like a family of incest or whatever hulk in the in those books it's wild my goodness it's fucking wild but like it's it's fun. Are the like Russos going to film that? Yeah, the Russos. Yeah, that's the next Hulk movie, actually. I hope it. I hope they did. Uh, it would be good if they did. They could bring back a lot of old people, like that are either dead or in the MCU. They should do Deadpool kills the MCU. Didn't oh they do yeah, one hundred percent. What? Yeah, they had a yeah. Comp, yeah. Oh my god. They had a comic where that? Deadpool kills every single character in the Marvel universe. Wow. They could do that with the MCU, and it, that would be funny. It would be crazy. It would well, maybe be like the most... they could do it with one of those TV shows. 
Yeah, I mean, people have suggested that it's, but I just like imagine the salaries you would have to like. You come in for a day, but you're Chris fucking Evans. Like, it's a fun idea though. Mm. Um, yeah, but no, Logan, and it came and it came yeah, out. Yeah, so this comes out. Yeah, he comes. In. It was theatrically released. It was. Remember movie theaters? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and it, it it did make a a good amount of money. Didn't it? For its budget, yeah, it made actually a it it like it's like, Joker, like well, the first X Men or whatever. Um, yeah, no, it probably costed. I'm not sure. Um, the thing like, is, I expect you to know these things off the top of your head. So yeah, I know, I know, I know. Budget. Well, I'm not the Schmodown champion, so or uh, <laughs> champion. So but, but, I'll do it again. I'll be, I'll get me in the. Let me put my hoodie on real quick and I'll answer. <laughs> it. Ask uh, it, yeah, ask the it production. The uh, um, what how much I did Logan to... cost? Oh, uh, I don't have to know those things. If I had to know those things, I'd retire yeah. today. Oh my God! Yeah, imagine like so. They had like a whole, made... They had a wheel slice for uh, budgets. budgets. Yeah. So the was... budget was ninety-seven million. It made six hundred nineteen worldwide. Not so a that's bad. a huge multiplier. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and I think, and I think they probably wanted to get that down a little more. I feel like I feel like the studio was like, hey, let's let's cut that off by like ten. Isn't it great that the studio like they? I think it was smart to make Laura mute because then you didn't have like the cutesy like Terminator Two back and forth with the kid and the robot yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or or like it's not Curly Sue with Nick Nolte and the little girl like this is a mute girl that and I like they really established early on too. Um, that it's not going to be that kind of movie, which is going into your, you know, rated R and, and the money that they made is like in the marketing for the movie, they really pushed that like this girl's feral, you know what I mean? She's definitely yeah, very feral. It's like it's like she studied all of the other movies and got his mannerisms down. Like mm. it's a spot loaded, you know what I mean? Oh, Daphne Keen is fucking. Daphne great. Keen is a, a just a buried treasure that was found for this, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Shame they just don't do anymore. If they continued, you know, I mean, maybe they would. They would be like, "Hey, we're gonna go and do the. We're gonna continue on with the Laura character in the MCU." Yes, I think older, that would be a cool way to do it. And I think that that was a good observation that you brought up. With she's not like acting like a kid. It would be kind of like Spielberg Amblin if they were to go down that route, and the tone would conflict. Um, if she was just like, "Hey, I'm a big fan." If she was, if she was the fan and not her mom, or uh, I did. Uh, the, I, uh, well, I heard this and I loved it, and I just told she everybody. had like a comic book on her. You know, well, like they could so easily do that. He was some superhero, and I forget. I saw it in a review once online. I forget who it was. Maybe it was Angry Joe. Uh, but he talked about how. Remember, in the middle of the movie, and not to get off your point, I know uh, Clay, you were talking about the box office and stuff, but. No, uh, no, I'm, we're done with that. Uh, when Logan is lifting up Xavier and then, like, lowering him into bed, they cut to a shot of Laura looking. And then they cut to her POV, and it's just through the doorway, and you see him lowering Charles, and they have their conversation. And I think it was Joe who had the great idea of, like, can you imagine? Because you never see Hugh Jackman never got to wear the spandex. He wore the, the in the 2000s when they tried to make the costumes not look like the costumes. He wore that dark leather shit. He never had the mask. They had that deleted scene in the Wolverine where you see the mask in the suitcase. 
and uh, he had surmised what an idea would it be is if when you cut to her, you see Logan lifting him down into the bed, then you cut to Laura looking, and then you cut back and it's her POV and you could even do a little effect if you want. But you see Hugh Jackman in the bright yellow and red, yellow and brown spandex with the mask lowering Charles Xavier into the bed. Uh, you know, further put into the point of like she sees him as like maybe his save, you know, savior from the comics that her her mom was so invested in. You know what I mean? Mm. The idealization that she has. Of yeah, I thought that was so cool. When I or maybe that. even to take that point further, she's not even realizing, or maybe comes comes to grips with. Uh, the fact that this is literally Wolverine. It's not even she's imagining this guy as Wolverine, but he's the guy. It's not even like she Talk thinks he's the guy. For just one shot, that was it. And then you would have him, and then they could have really fucked with the fans and filmed him in the woods with the costume on. That, that would be funny. <laughs> a leaked shot, and it's just him. And it's we're talking it should match with those comics. You know, those comics with the bright yellow... It's funny, you could read those comic pages online, by the way. If you search Logan comic pages, it's pretty cool. Someone's someone mm-hmm. just scanned them or whatever, and you can see them. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah uh, I think the thing is, I like that idea, but I feel like Mangold isn't really interested in... Yeah, yeah let's talk I, about Mangold. I'm yeah. interested in him because he's very much not the director who would be attached to to like or be this like have this attachment to a comic book character if you look at his Mm. entire filmography from girl interrupted to uh walk the line it's and like his overall like how he talks in interviews the movies he references you just don't think oh this is the guy to make a comic book movie and of course there's been plenty of examples uh since the boom of directors you just wouldn't expect to take on this kind of material yeah Um, christopher nolan being perfect example true and like taika watiti and just people like oh they want to do this kind of movie okay Ryan krugler i suppose um yeah and but the thing but the interesting thing with mangold is he has a lot of these classic you know um cinema influences but also takes these things very seriously he's not really a light or fun director he's good but it's not like he it it, it doesn't seem like he's like the most humorous guy to be around um (laughs) i don't know the man i have no idea he reminds me of james gray a little bit mm, where it's like yeah things things are going to be very very sincere you know um oh uh, yeah definitely james gray is a great uh, comparison um but so when mangold approaches just, james gray's logan oh my god <laughs> mm-hmm. that would be crazy that would be way more <laughs> that would be 10 times more meditative it would just be like a silent movie yeah joaquin is uh yes uh, say that again kevin Mangold is doing the new Indiana Jones, or he's at least attached to it. Yeah. I wonder how, that's, uh, how that will work, that mentality. Because yeah. you're right. Try to have a lot of... <laughs> it, it, yeah, he doesn't... Like, when he, it came out that he was doing Indiana Jones, one, I don't think anyone... Like, I don't know. Like, it, it doesn't... I don't want him to go... I don't know. I, I don't think it's the best fit. He's a good director, but it just didn't seem right to me. But also, the moment it said Harrison Ford... With, like with Harrison Ford, I'm like, no, I don't want this movie. No, I don't think anyone wants a sequel of Harrison Ford. He's so to redeem himself because I didn't like old Han. I thought was going to be a mistake because I thought Harrison wasn't good in Crystal Skull, and then old Han was great. If they lean into it a little bit, but like, it, it's weird. Like we did a playthrough on my channel about with Crystal Skull, and the one thing that bugged me about Crystal Skull was like. They made his pants like overly baggy and his shirt overly baggy. 
nothing looked like it fit him. So he did look like a grandpa that was just losing way too much weight. Whereas with Han, like the vest and the, it, you know, it all fit him. It was like a little mm. more tight. I think if they get the costuming right, you know, and they they <laughs> a lot of Let's makeup. start there. Yeah. Yeah, but they gotta get that costume a little more tighter so it doesn't look like he's running around in <laughs> the baggy pants. It bugs the yeah, yeah, yeah. I never but, noticed that before, but I'm thinking about it now. That's very true. Yeah, I think um, if we compared that to like Temple of Doom when that, you know, because you know obviously he was more thin and stuff like that, mm. but maybe they were trying to hide that he was not. In, but but I, that's what I'm saying is they nailed it with Han, and I think they. But you're right, they're running out of time. They got to do this movie, otherwise it's going to be called like Indiana Jones and the the Temple of the Retirement Home. Like, <laughs> imagine that. Um, I brought up The Irishman earlier, and I've seen it thrown around Twitter. Like, this should be Indiana Jones's The Irishman, or it's like he—it's a very oh, reflective wow. meditation on his past as an archaeologist. The women, the the school teaching, you know, the artifacts, the the Nazis. You know, he's lived such a life, and it shouldn't be That's... or another adventure but it should be him reflecting on his adventures i can't even imagine that because that's so against the idea of indiana jones in the first place i would love that that's the only way you do it for at least to make me excited but they said in the or saga the cart the tv series they had old indie with like an eye patch like on a campfire sean patrick flannery is that was that the guy was that the harrison ford did a cameo as old indie that's right you could see him, and he has like an eye patch, and he's old, or maybe he didn't oh. have the eye patch in his season. But he had a big television beard. was so weird back then, isn't it? Right. Like, had these huge cameos, or it was just horrible. That <laughs> was very strange. I re- I, re- I remember seeing clips of that. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Um, but when yeah, you no, said Indiana Gold. Jones TV show. I went to River Phoenix, but then I realized River Phoenix is Last Crusade. Clearly, and, uh, need to revisit those movies. <laughs> Um, those are good movies. Um, mm. where, wait, when did Crystal Skull come out? 2000? Oh, wait. Oh, oh wait. wait. Okay. So I guess we can't cover yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but, no, so James Mangold. Um, he I does. think he's a very interesting director, but he doesn't seem like the guy to cater. He's very much, he's very much not the guy to cater to the comic book fans. That's just his vibe he gives off. I think he was pretty, like... Like the whole idea of the thir- of the way that third act for with the Wolverine turned out, I think really like he's like that's just not my movie. You, you know, like what yeah. wanting to do with it because the first two thirds of that movie are to me almost a perfect movie. Like I just mm-hmm. I wow. love. It's really good. So what wait what did he want to do with it? Yeah, do you know? Oh, do I know? Um, no, yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, um, I think it, I think it incorporated Silver Samurai probably. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Viper or whatever that character's name would not be in that movie. There's just no way. Um, yeah, but I, I think of, I think he want he's more interested in taking these higher than life characters and just being like, let's just put them in a story that's not necessarily a super quote unquote superhero movie. Like, let's yeah. use the iconography or the surroundings or the culture mm-hmm. that surrounds them to influence the actual characters in the story instead of it just being a backdrop. Like, he uses yeah. Japan and Japanese culture in the Wolverine. He uses Western and American culture in Logan. Like, he's very, he very much is not interested in the spandex or the superpowers. He's more interested in using those aspects and making another Shane or another Seven Samurai. Isn't it or Ronin would be interesting. The random mutant 
like Caliban, played by Stephen Merchant. You know, of the whole catalog. It's cool. It is a deep pull. It is a very deep pull. It was. He oh, really that's like general and unknown character. Oh, he was pulling from that it was in his head canon. <laughs> was it the same guy or like? Because that's yeah. in Apocalypse too. He's the one that. Yeah, did, there was, and he was played by a completely different actor with a like Eastern European accent. Yeah, I yeah. think they just oh. did not care. Yeah. Oh, they, so they, they recast it. Oh, so Steve, so this is. Logan. So this like is Stephen Merchant's only like, performance as this character. Yes. Yeah, he hasn't. Oh, this this he wasn't in any other. Oh, oh, okay. I thought they just. Oh man, that changed. Okay, all right. Yeah, I had no idea. Really that, this is the only thing. Wow. His death Crazy. is like so sad. It's like he he pulls yeah. the grenade. Great one liner. He says, "Beware the light," which hopefully will be a schmodown question for me one day because I could answer it. <laughs> but uh, he says, "Beware That'd the be light and ignite the 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 uh, um grenade." You know how I am with famous people's last lines. You know, I really love answering those for questions. Don't tell Peter. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but, like, he extinguishes the grenade. That'll be a wheel slice. Up that truck, but he doesn't even kill Boyd Holbrook's character. Um, yeah. And, he, you know, he doesn't really do anything. But, you know, he's, just, he's loyal. And I got to believe, I don't know if Logan would have picked him up had he known he wasn't. Because, you know, they were. Like, because, you know, Logan was really, like, it was all about just getting xavier onto the sun seeker so like he, he was like you're forgetting the girl in the early race chase part and he's like forget the girl we gotta go and then the girl comes out anyway you could you know but i wonder they're yeah, very Caliban... go ahead they're they're sorry uh they're very antagonistic to each other i think that's what like that yeah. you're saying even though you could still tell like he care like james like logan still cares about caliban even though like maybe he isn't the most warm person um with him like he's still when he's at like charles's grave he's like you know charles is in the ground caliban is in the ground they didn't deserve this yeah. um it's it's very interesting and he also like when boyd Harper comes out he's like where's caliban where's caliban um and i yeah. love the idea of caliban i love the idea of him being a former um mutant tracker who was who was like against the x-men because i think yeah. also that adds to the idea of like Oh wow! When he asked if to ask him to help of Charles, that he must be very desperate. He must know no one. To also, and that also informs the antagonistic relationship because they, he still has hard feelings or whatever. Like I think it's very interesting to just use the character Caliban in general. He's he's again C-lister X X-Men villain who's not who doesn't really have a personality. I think. Yeah. Um, and to cast Stephen Merchant too is fucking wild it's great but it's wild mm. like the most like comic quirky british actor he's like yeah let's put him as c-less yeah. villain who's like Caliban. eight feet tall yeah now uh, i heard a rumor and tell me in your research if this was true or not i heard that they did approach lieb schreiber to reprise his role um mm -hmm. and he's going to appear halfway through the movie and that's interesting i because i wonder i'm like okay so would lieb schreiber die fighting i would have loved that three at first is it x23 man i'm yeah x23 x24 well, so yeah actually so, my collision question was x23 is x23 laura x24 is is the logan clone right yes yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah. so jack just yeah. to what inform if leave, you of leave what Shriver. if leave Shriver came back but it was his character in spotlight <laughs> just as, just the <laughs> the, the editor right, of boston right. globe 
There's a yeah, Logan. Yeah. What, what are you doing here? Origins <laughs> Wolverine, which is just, it is horrible. They they ruin the character of Deadpool. Um, but one of the shining parts of it is actually Sleep Lee Schreiber. Plays. Yeah, he's great. He's a great saber tooth. And their brother dynamic and through the ages is really cool. They, I think uh-huh. the opening intro credits to that movie is awesome too. That's Wolverine's fun. brother. Yes, yeah, he was in X Men Origins Wolverine. Um, you and being able to take this character from this loathed movie, but making him badass and like, making that story wrap up together. And I gotta believe in my in my fan fiction that he would be the one saving off X twenty four and dying in that part. But <laughs> then, then it takes away from Xavier's death. So I don't know. Did you do you know any details about what the plan? So was? I know for sure that he was um, and. I honestly didn't do too much research. I just kind of, a lot of this stuff is on the top of my head. I'm not trying to brag. It's just because I'm a nerd. Um, Appreciate that, buddy. Look who you're talking to. <laughs> um, I think, so I know he was approached. I know that was a certain, and I know they were debating. I forget whose choice was it because it was, I. it felt like Leave. I heard that Leave was kind of open to it, but maybe talks kind of fell apart. But I know there was an idea of him being X-24 instead. Uh, of him actually being the, um, Logan's, like, the person who kills Logan at the end. Uh, like, I know that was an idea that was floated by. And you can kind of tell, in the sense, because X-24 is such a mindless kind of character that it would make a lot of sense, and it still has that thematic tie to logan's past and his past coming for him and taking away the ones he loves and you know the you know the people he loves and that kind of stuff but like um i'm not sure really what happened i can google it real quick but yeah no i honestly i would have loved that a lot more than x24 itself because um i think it that that care x24 can only do so much it is just like a mindless version of himself um, and it, I mean, it's pretty obvious in like its thematic ties of this is the younger <clears throat> self confronting the older self. You know, he's confronting his past. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little obvious, but it, I, I, I don't mind it because it also kind of shows. It also kind of, like the biggest reason why I don't mind it is because of the line of when Charles is bleeding out, James uh, or uh, Logan comes comes for him and he holds him. And he holds him, and he's about to pick him up, and he's just whispering, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. The first time I saw that movie, I didn't catch that. I don't know if I was just in shock for what was going on. He and says I it was pretty so impressed that whole night. I don't know, maybe I was just eating my popcorn, or I was just looking at my friends like, oh my god, what's going on? But I remember being so sad, I was like, oh my god, so wait, did Xavier think... But then I then he actually dies in the back of the truck anyway, and his last words are Sunseeker. So he was still thinking about that boat as he was dying. That final. You can also answer that showdown question. Yeah. How cool is that idea? Because Logan knows he's the only one who could survive these seizures. Because if you're smart, honestly, mm. you put down Xavier like a dog. If if he can kill 600 people people because he's having a seizure, you gotta kill him. Like like you you, you gotta take that stance. So Logan thinking, okay, well I could survive his seizures. Let's just go out in the middle of the sea in a yacht or a boat, whatever it was gonna be. And whenever he has his seizures, it would just be Logan that has to deal with it. And he knows he could heal and record, like live off um, of it. I think that was a pretty Maybe cool I missed something, but that's only happening to Xavier because of an old age. It's like dementia for yes. a mutant. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so nothing well, it's, happened, it's, happened. 
it's nothing like specific. It's not like he like has this mutant disease or whatever. He's just literally an old man and he's suffering from ALS or um sure um uh, or dementia. But he's but it he just so happens to have one of the most Super powerful powers. psychic brains right. ever seen on the planet. Yeah. Are they called superpowers or is it something else? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Mutations. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the, we were talking in the beginning about Oscar, um, consideration and Patrick Stewart was the one mm-hmm. actor that was actually gaining traction and people really? actually thought he had a chance to be nominated. If I remember correctly. Um, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. I think it was because of Stewart is so respected in the industry. He's a, an amazing theater actor. Never He's taken very seriously. He's never been nominated. That's a great point. Um, and, and like we talked about in Shape of Water, though, 2017 was so packed. That's it was the very thing. packed. Like, just, there was just no room to budge with with Patrick. And um, I think I think if if things fell into place better, if maybe the March release date was not an issue and it was in voters' minds uh, in the fall, I, I think things could have fallen into place. But but yeah, even then. Um, there was also people that were sixth and seventh, like uh, Stoolbarge and Hammer for calling by your name. Mhm. I agree. Top dance partners there for sure. Okay. You guys like the so the movie. Music was good. What's too. that? The music in the movie too. Oh, yeah. Marco Bell. Oh, Marco. Thirteen. Wolver- the Wolverine as well, and like the Wolverine kind of has a theme in that movie, and they play it a very very few times but they play it in this movie too at some key moments and you're just like oh it's so good Marco I really like um the piece of music at the end at the final battle I think that's that's pretty riveting it really it gives that western feeling Mm -hmm. where it's like you you know you're in a final gun showdown fight like um you know what it reminds me of actually the have either of you guys seen uh Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs no, but I know Peck and pa, I know Peck and pa was a huge inspiration to this movie. Yeah, and the, at the end of Straw Dogs, there's this huge uh, gunfight showdown. It's like Dustin Hoffman versus an entire small Irish village. It's pretty insane. It's like a half hour long, and there's this like Bowie. Like when you guys are out in the ocean, you'll hear these Bowies that are like kind of making this noise and it's like a constant ringing bell almost and the same thing is happening in straw dogs where it's like a constant sense of dread and it gives that that um that feeling similar to logan at the end that it'll play this one piece of music from this instrument that it lends it lends a lot that if it weren't there i think it and it was just like another generic piece of music that the MCU can sometimes have. Um, yeah. 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 So it looked like, so I, I just did some quick Googling and it looked like he was in earlier script stages, but it just kind of, he was uh, Sabretooth and Leap Driver and Leap was actually kind of for it, but he, and the Sabretooth was incorporated in, in earlier script stages. Um, and it just, it didn't really work out. He was kind of like written out of the film. It just like through the final screenplay, it just didn't meld or whatever. 
Um, yeah. And I think there's there could be a lot of reasons <clears throat> for that. But I think the X24 I think thing it I worked came out, up though, with... Because the fact that it is so tight with this trio, and it is like a... Like a I agree. family... I mean, it, it is kind of like a little... Fa- this is family. Uh, yeah, that's the whole idea of them. Yeah, it's yeah, whole. Um, I do like. I think that to just like put a cap on the saber tooth business. Um, I think that's the idea of the movie is. I think it wants to kind of focus itself and strain, rein itself in in the sense of what it, the relationships it's trying to focus on. Because if you bring in saber tooth, you have a whole different dynamic you have to explore. It's hard to just kind of throw them in when you're trying to also distance yourself from the baggage of previous movies and relationships and history of uh, different characters. They made, um, the right, but, they made the right call not yeah. having it. But I always love hearing those, like... Those little... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And those I developed like, stories, how, like, oh, what could have been? And yeah, like, if you had a road trip with two brothers that hated each other their whole life, then you have Xavier, who's losing his mind, and then this little girl, you know, and then you had Sabretooth redeem himself by saving him or the girl at some point you know would be pretty epic maybe he would do that at the end or something but then it takes away from logan's death so there's too many negatives to outweigh the positives to have that Mm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i agree Um, for me that i have one of those where it's um it's not ig related but um jonah hill was gonna play the adam sandler role in uncut gems Wow, really? And the role was actually offered then to Sasha Baron Cohen. And they kept swapping out athletes that were going to replace Kevin Garnett. So it's like, yeah, seeing those alternate realities of what the movie could have looked like with different parts being played. Well, you know, the original athlete they were going to do was Amari Stoudemire. And Amari, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amari Stoudemire was a New York Nick, and the Safdie brothers are huge New York Nick fans. They come from New York. But also, the, one of the biggest things, Amari Stoudemire is one of the few NBA players who is very publicly Jewish. I did not mean this to turn into Uncut Gems pod yet oh, again. Yeah, I, I just, mean, that's always... <laughs> I'm the I'm the side. So, yeah, so I track away for sure. <laughs> um, wow, Amari Stoudemire, huh? Oh, yeah. That that and apparently they were close to doing it. Then it didn't work out. Then they wanted Joel Joel Embiid, but he, you know, he was taking too much time playing. Um, that's sorry. I, and the I, seasons conflict with the shooting and. Yeah, it was it was when they have games. Yeah, yeah. But he, they also wanted Jonah Hill at one point, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they wanted then, Jonah Hill. Yeah. They wanted it for um in 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 place of Sandler. Yeah, uh, but mm-hmm. he was directing mid '90s, so it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And plus, I feel like with either Sasha or Jonah, I know what those interpretations of Howard Ratner looks like, and I, I had no idea what Sandler's interpretation was gonna was gonna be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Um. <laughs> back to back to Logan. Yes. Uh, yes. Please. So the score is great, by the way. You mentioned that. Um, Marco Burton, that's not, is it Bertinelli? I don't know. Um, but he's great. He, I think he did the score for Snowpiercer, which is a very underrated score, um, mm. which is also based off a comic book. Yeah. Snowpiercer is based off a comic book. I'm it's 100% sure about that. 2013. And then what I love is the theory that it's actually a sequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I, heard I do that. too. It's fucking yeah. wild. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. That. that video, okay. I cannot 
see that movie without thinking it's a sequel to that. So <laughs> that's it's it's a very fun headcanon. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, like I I think this score is is really great. I I I listened to it a lot back in 2017, um, especially mm-hmm. when I was doing like homework or whatever, just because it was very like it had its like you know slower meditative parts, but also like the the limousine chase near the beginning. Uh, you know, like dun 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 dun. Like it was like very like energetic and it had this weird like sound to it that I'm like I haven't really heard this before. Um, and it was yeah no it was really really it, I mean the atmosphere that Mangold creates in this movie through score and the overall cinematography which is gorgeous is very mm-hmm. poignant and very you know there is this it's kind of a joke how much it's kind of like Logan is a western and me and <laughs> Me and Jack listen to this pod, podcast called Blank Check, and they and a lot of the times they'll joke of like, I want to. Can I tell you a secret? Can I can I tell you a secret? Logan mm. is secretly a western. Whoa! Um, I know whoa, whoa, it's like this play, major play. reveal. Whoa. It's huge. Um, well, but it uh, is. They actually do take it a one step further, and they say every James Mangold movie is a western. And that's that's a little more interesting because <laughs> um, he's very yeah, it's very prominent in all of his movies, uh, even fucking like Ford v. Ferrari. There's a lot of I did mentality actually, in there. While we're on the subject of um, um, Marco Beltrami scores, I really like his Ford v. Ferrari score. It's very it's a, jazzy. It has a good feel to it. I, I, I think that's one of one of my favorite parts of the movie. He's a great company man. He comes into almost, you know, he'll come into any movie, knock it out of the fucking park, and just bounce. A little bit like James Mangold. Because I was James Mangold's a very interesting, like, director. He is kind of a journeyman. And he's an auteur, but he's an auteur without a style. Um, Or at least his style is the themes that he he keeps coming back to. Um, Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think of him as someone that is is trusting of an audience like you were talking about before that can deliver something like crowd pleasing like like a J.J. Abrams, you know, Um, and he's someone that definitely. Yeah, he doesn't have like a style that comes with him. It's just he can deliver something that is satisfactory. Yeah, Um, he's. But he's not a bland director, and that's very key. Journeyman directors are journeyman directors have very weird history in the sense they of play, how they're like as well with Oscars too. I yeah, just that. journeyman directors have a complicated legacy because sometimes it'll be the studio, like big, like mid-budget studio um, journeyman directors who direct inconspicuous movies like Men in Black Two. Or just like random movies that you're like, oh, I've never heard of that guy, but he directed like five of like it's highly Barry Sonnenfeld erasure. Exactly. Well, but, but it's the poor version of Barry Sonnenfeld, yeah, and that's no, a great I, I that's a great point. Um, or you have your journeyman like drama directors who make a film that is somewhat like kind of Oscar has some Oscar buzz, but is never really in contention. But he'll, he'll make and that person will make like five of those movies. And people are like, oh yeah, they were like the Oscar bait movies, basically. Yeah. Mangles mm-hmm. find a way yeah, to sure. appease audience and also like critics and and the studio. I mean, he's had mixed relationships, and he, not all of his movies are great, but he's very much in control and comfortable working within the system. 
Um, even though he's very frustrated by that system, which is why, why is I, which is why I love Ford v Ferrari is because it is such a great allegory of the studio system and how bureaucracy and corporation can taint art and uh, production. Um, but it's but a, he's uh, also not one of those guys where it's like if he has another movie coming out, I'm gonna be like, oh nice, another James Mangold movie. He doesn't have that. Fa- he doesn't have that fan base or that myth yeah. that a Nolan or Tarantino or- have. Someone like Matt Reeves, because like everybody loved his Planet of the Apes, so That's, when they knew he was doing the Batman, mm-hmm. they're like, oh wow, Matt Reeves. Like, uh, you don't have that with Mangle. Maybe you do now after Logan, but I mean, you have, you've had movies, obviously Ford vs Ferrari yeah. since then, but yeah. I think that's a great that's a great comparison because I think like Matt Reeves coming into Planet of the Apes, people weren't necessarily excited. People were like, oh, what about Rupert Wyatt, the guy who directed uh, Rise or whatever. Yeah. Um, and Matt Reeves came in there. He built this trust within the audience. Oh, wow. Like, and like critics as well. Like, Don is great. Riot, um, War is really good. So they have confidence in them. He's built a relationship with the audience. Uh, Mangold didn't do that really before Logan. I mean, studio wise and like maybe, you know, somewhat like this, you know, surface critic wise, like he made, you know, Walk the Line, three, three Tons of Yuma. People are like, oh, yeah, he's a good director. But, you know, I don't know. Like, he's he hasn't made that one movie that's like, oh, holy shit. got to watch out for James Mangold. Yeah. Um, and I think... I forget. Th- do people like The Wolverine or has it been that's received what I was actually poorly that's, over time? Yeah. That transitions perfectly. Hey. So the thing is, The Wolverine has a very complicated legacy. Uh, a lot of people like it. A lot of people don't. Um, but the main thing is the third act, which he had no control over. And that's yeah. the thing is, that, so when people are like, oh, he's going to make Logan, fanboys and like the overall general audiences who weren't really aware of his other work were kind of like, I don't know about this guy. He kind of fumbled it with the last movie. It's some interesting ideas, but it was also kind of slow or blah, blah, blah. Um, so it, the Wolverine has a very complicated, like, it's mixed. It's, I wouldn't say as, as controversial as Man of Steel and not as divisive, but it kind of reminds me in that way where there are people like there are strong defenders of it, um, and it's one of the more pieces. It, it's it, it's different. I think you know Wolverine is messy. That's the thing. It's a messy third act that kind of undercuts a lot of the first two acts. So it's hard to really put a pin on it of how people feel about it. Um, but it's, it's a bad but, object. Well, the thing is, I think it's been getting a lot more. I think people have been coming around on it a lot more. I think people have been like, those first two acts are just too good to ignore. I think, and especially with the X Men franchise in the rearview mirror, people have come around on it because mm-hmm. uh, it's very interesting in how it connects. I mean, the overall Fox thing is just the overall like way they've managed all those X Men movies is one of the more fascinating things to happen in the studio system in the last 20 years because they're so all over the place a lot of some decisions make perfect sense some decisions make absolutely no sense it is like the most peaked peak peaks and valleys of almost any franchise we've seen yeah almost ever like apocalypse fucking sucked last stand fucking sucked like dark phoenix is not doesn't exist x-men 2 is great I X-Men love Days is, of Future Past, to be honest. Days of Future Past is great. First Class is great. Yeah. How many times have you seen Apocalypse? I've seen it once. Oh, if you guys knew it well. I watched the entire catalog before every match. 
last year. So if I'm I'm six and one, so I watched it seven times last year. Go the figure. entire X Men franchise. Oh, all of them, buddy. I have. A, I, I, I usually try to watch them all. I have a way of doing it. Why where, am I not surprised? Wow. <laughs> that's what it takes to be a champion. But uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. X Men: The Last Stand. You like Apocalypse? You have to pick one or the other, buddy. Apocalypse or The Last Stand? What do you have to watch for 24 hours on loop? Oh. Oh my goodness. Fuck. (laughs) Not prepared for this. Shit. Okay. I should have given you this question like a day in advance and like giving you time to like. Fastbender and Apocalypse is fucking great. That's the only good thing about that movie is Fastbender and Apocalypse and like his, the tragedy that befalls him. And, but also in Last Stand, I'm more used to those cast members. I think it starts off kind of interestingly. Um, I think Hugh Jackman is good. You have Hugh in that movie. Um, but, and you yeah. still feel connected to X, but you also have, you have um, Ian McKellen, but oh god, that's so hard. I'll go with Last Stand just because at least it doesn't feel as lifeless as Apocalypse. Apocalypse feels lifeless. So you chose correctly. I mean, I, I actually like. I don't hate Apocalypse because I thought at least they finally got um, Psylocke and a couple. Of the, uh, Apocalypse to me reminds me of the uh, um, the. Uh, Teenage Mutant Turtles out of the shadows movie. It wasn't a good movie, but they they nailed what the cartoon was. They finally had Bebop and Rocksteady instead of Toka and Razar, and it felt like the car- cartoon come to life. And a lot right. of Apocalypse felt like the '90s Jim Lee X Men come to life. But it's um, very much '90s, very '90s. I kind of said you have to watch it over and over again, but the, that takes away from this argument too. X Men Apocalypse is two hours and twenty seven minutes, whereas The Last Stand. Is only an hour and forty-four minutes. So you chose good if you were trying to suffer really? once. You would want to go with the shorter movie, you know. So you're saving yourself almost an hour. Yeah. Of well, that's like long, such the contrast with ten years of comic book movies too. That's true. That every- it's like it's almost. I know the dates correctly. That's pre and post Dark Knight. So a two and a half hour comic book movie is not only proven to be financially successful, but that length can can sustain audience awareness. Much to like, you know, it's funny when I was a kid, I loved the long movies, man. Like, I loved when I was younger, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, because it was like it felt like two movies, like it was so long. And now, when I'm just trying to get through it, because I'm trying to study it or you know prep for a match, and you, you get to these movies with these long runtimes, you just you want to put your head in a cheese grinder and <laughs> like, yeah, right. Like, you load up a movie and it's like, oh, this is the this is Watchmen. It's two hours and or it's three hours and fourteen minutes or whatever. You know? So to prep, which cut do you watch? For what? Watchmen? Yeah. Which which no, cut do you watch? You're allowed to do the theatrical. So I always I swap back and forth um, and just keep things fresh. Um, but I'll do the extended sometimes, even though they won't ask you on the new data. But it just it further for me if it's a 3D image of the movie, it further just populates my knowledge of it. You know, mm. even with scenes that maybe I don't need to know, it's going to further enhance 
other scenes, you know what I mean? So something, but it depends. Usually I try to watch the non-long version, though, to be honest, mm. but you know, yeah. it just depends. Like, because, uh, mm. Lord of the Rings, like, those extended movies are so long, and they're not going to ask you anything on the new data, but sometimes it's good just to further, it's further telling that story, it's further uh, nailing the names in my head and stuff like that, so I'll usually go back and forth between the two. Um, it just gets dangerous. You, know, you don't want to answer a question because it's in a scene. You know what I mean? But they they try to steer clear of that. You know. What I mean? mm. Okay, that makes sense. I didn't. Yeah, I had. I forgot, or I don't think I knew that they only did the theatrical cuts. That's yeah, it's only that makes cuts. that makes sense. The, the standing, even for the Lord of the Rings match that I'm in, uh, we were told it was only the theatrical cuts only. That so, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So there's certain things you don't need to know the names of. But then it all blends together. You can't remember what is what anyway. So I just, mm. to make sure, I'll sometimes just watch the full length just to make sure that I have everything. I, you mm. know, I don't, knowing an extra 20 minutes of stuff, if it's going to uh, help. You know, <clears throat> to detrimental transition um, back to Logan, have either of you seen that black and white cut? Ooh, I have not, I, but I remember I, that it was so big at the time because Mad Max just came out with a black and white cut at that time, and people were like, uh, "Oh, are black and white cuts the new thing of studio franchise movies?" And then it kind of ended with Logan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Parasite had it. Oh, I was talking more about like the movies that you would never expect to be in black and white. Oh, sure. Um, but no, and I have not. And Logan and Fury Road are so dependent on their color. There's, those are two very good-looking movies, and it's very not orange. like... Uh, yeah, very orange. Very orange, yeah. What about you, Kevin? Have you seen the black-and-white cut of Logan? No. Um, I, I think it's part of my purchase, because I purchased it on iTunes, but maybe because it's just not there on, like, play this version, play the black-and-white yeah. version, maybe special features. I haven't thought about that, but I just I really don't feel the it. need to, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it in a while and you're going to see it, like, let's say you haven't seen it in a while when you knew you were going to do it for this podcast, like, well, might as well throw on the black and white version and just see. That's a good point. Um, But, yeah, so I'd be interested. And for me, especially if I have to watch these movies multiple times, I think it would be something that would keep things fresh, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, That would make make a lot of sense. And it brings out the Western influence. Where it's like the stagecoach, but it's it's like it's kind of like has that 1930s 40s feel. Yeah. They call Without... it noir though. That's the cut. They, they titled the cut like Logan Noir, and I'm like, it's a western, not a noir. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's so weird. Yeah, weird. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> Did not know that. I, it's very interesting. Um, no, I have not seen that, but you know, um, I, I do want to talk. Uh, now we're on the version of longer and cut and cuts and whatever. Um, my only criticism, and so again, this is the fourth time I've seen fourth time I've seen this movie, and the one criticism I have of it this time around was, I do think it could, I, I, and maybe I'm with you, Kevin, in the sense of I'm not a fan of longer movies anymore. Um, I think there you have to really justify a over two hour runtime, and especially in a, a two twenty runtime. And I think I just can't really justify the idea or not justify, but like I can't really get on board with the idea that this movie needs to be longer than 220. And I think it should be. And honestly, I would put it I would put it at two or 150 at the most. 
I just feel like this movie could be a little tighter, which yeah, ke- which is my. I agree. Okay. Oh well, perfect. All right. Yeah, I, I, I do I, feel like it could be cut like, it when you're at the farm. Yeah. Yeah, like when I just uh, speaking in the eyes of an editor and stuff too. Like, yeah, I mean, there's certain things where you don't want to feel a rush. Like, I think Rise of Skywalker would have done really well with another 15 minutes. Oh but yeah, Logan is a movie where like, you know, the the. It, though it's something to be said where you can hang on the long shots and stuff like that, and if you start trimming everything out, then it starts to feel rushed. So you have to find that sweet spot. But I don't hate your idea, for sure. You know what I mean? I think mm. it also comes at the script level, too. I don't think it's just necessarily the you would just cut certain scenes. I think the script could have been a little tighter, because I think Mangold really wants to make his themes apparent and known he wants to just be like this is the story you know this is the man's life this is this is the cycle of violence this is the cycle of pain this is the fatherhood relationships um and i think all of that is great but i feel like to streamline it like i don't necessarily need his the third act to be him falling like passing out and waking up three different times um it gets a little repetitive um i don't the farm is a little long in the tooth and kind of feels unnecessary at some points. Um, like it, it, killing the family. I remember seeing that in theaters. I'm like, Holy fuck. This just, what? Insane. Yeah. Like, like, Holy, just, I was shocked. And of course, you know, before that we've seen like experiments on children, like claws going through fucking heads. So I don't know why I was too <laughs> surprised, but still <clears throat> so well edited. Like, did she have iMovie? Was she in the motel, Liberty Motel? She was editing the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I was. I, I really noticed that, too. I'm like, how did she get that shot? That's actually pretty narration. impressive. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always I funny remember, seeing movies. Just I remember like, wow, um, in that opening scene and seeing that for the first time and the gore and the, you know, viscerality. Oh, it's a great yeah, it's so, scene. Yeah, it's very, very gruel. right away. Yeah. And you're just kind of thrown into this mess and it feels like um it feels like something that's so grounded you know it just it i mean it's kind of cliche to say it at this point and it's been said over and over again about logan but it doesn't feel like a comic book just no it feels like something much more gnarly um there there was that uh mel gibson movie uh bloodfather Series back. I've actually seen of that. I actually, I've actually seen that. Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of that. Where, and even Hugh Jackman is sporting like a Mel Gibson kind of look, and it's too like a weathered, just less anti-Semitic. <laughs> well, a little bit. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> um, but no, no, I get that. That's actually a good comparison. I didn't even think I haven't thought about that movie since, so that's a good comparison. Um, but. Yeah, no, the opening really establishes the tone right away. This is fucking gnarly. You know, like, this is an old weathered Logan. I think there's a great piece of visual storytelling in that scene is when he, you know, he his claws come out, but one of them doesn't um, go retract all the, all the way. It's just, like, it's kind of, like, it's kind of, like, stumped. Like, it's uh, um, disformed. It's, like, yeah. malfunctioning, in a sense. Mm. And I'm like, and that really tells, that you know, again, visual storytelling don't you know no need for exposition in the sense of like yes he's older he's weathered his body's not working as it used to anymore this is not the wolverine we knew like this guy yeah. is been through some shit and i think that's like i feel like a bad version would be like 
Logan goes to the doctors. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like, like the doctors like, poisoning well, you. you should really stay out of the uh, the game. I don't know. Face in front of bullets because it, it would be more harm to him with the memo. Now, I noticed that this time. Of, he knows he'll heal, and it might hurt and suck, but he'd rather get shot himself than the limousine get shot. And I always I love know. that. That, that was so. I've that. noticed. That was so interesting. Yeah, I I was like, oh yeah, that makes. I, I, that, that's the only this is the first time I noticed that I'm pretty sure because I, I it happened so quick too. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, what do we think of that? We've talked a lot about you know like the how this movie is constructed. What do we think of the action, like the choreography and the construction of it? I love it. I love how there they had different ways of showing action too. Like you had the what about a fight scene where everybody was frozen, and he was just. Mm. And like that, that is just like a, such a creative way of um, showing an action scene because you know you have the opening action scene, then you have like a chase, which they don't really have Logan. You never see Wolverine in a chase; he's never running away. He's usually running towards the fight. So you have that, and then you had the woods mm-hmm. fight, and then of course this frozen fight where it's not really a fight scene, but it is. You know, I thought the action was well balanced. Like I thought it was some pretty fun stuff there. Yeah, it never felt too long. Um, just enough for time, yeah. Yeah, and I love the different fighting styles. I think they really utilize the differences between Laura and um, Logan. Um, I, 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 Laura X twenty three is a, one of my favorite characters from the comic books. Um, I, I almost like her more than Logan comic wise, uh, because so there's this amazing run by Tom Taylor. It's like twenty fifteen. It's all new, all different. Um, is it? I think it's like all different, all new uh, Wolverine, um, and she. And so this is right after Wolverine dies in the comics, and she takes over his mantle, and it follows her for like five volumes, as the new Wolverine getting used to it and also exploring her past. Um, but overall, Laura is such a great character. She's so there's so much to her. She she has the same ideas, like uh, the same struggle as like. Wolverine has. Is she still of, a kid in the comics? Well, in well, of course she was <laughs> once at one point a kid, but in the we series all? I'm referencing, she is more of an adult. Um, but she has like a uh, she has this sister who's a clone of her named Gabby. Um, it's really it's really good. It's really fun. Um, but it also really explores Laura as a character, and um, I really want yeah. her to be in more stuff because, um, I think when she comes out. Because, like, her being a mute is from the comics. Like, when she was young, when she was, like, a killing machine, she was she didn't speak. Um, uh, and so I think I would love to see an established Laura. And Mangold talked about doing that before Disney purchased Fox. Like, oh, maybe I want to do a sequel one day with Laura grown up. Um, and, of course, that's not going to happen now. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I, I love it. Um, I love X-23. I think she's great. Um she has a lot of similarities to Logan, and their father-daughter relationship is really fleshed out in the comics as well. Um, so yeah, Tom Taylor, all new, all different Wolverine. I would recommend that. Um, but yeah, no, the action's great. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. Mm, yeah, I think the action's well, <clears throat> well done as well. Um, and it's not, it's not something that's. Yeah, it's it's not. It's just very you know, grounded and. Uh, just visually so compelling because uh, the clone of Wolverine is 
it's kind of like he's not he's Wolverine without the personality, and it's kind of like two like sacks of meat just going at each other, and just see, seeing what's gonna like. I don't know what's gonna stop working first. I don't know. It's uh, because when Wolverine gets in that mode, from from what I've seen, it's it's almost like he's. I mean, he is very barbaric and uh, animalistic. Yeah. Roars, <clears throat> all those roars. A like, lot of yelling and yeah. growling and roaring. That's... A lot of like we've established. Um, and that's <laughs> that's and it's like pretty much all we get. It's. You know, now that I'm realizing, it's it is kind of funny that you can do this much, and from this character, from someone whose power is so like simple. You know, it's not it's not too complex. Like he has claws for hands, and he's kind of like an animal who's let out of the cage. But it's, um, yeah, I don't it's know. Not like and Superman then you turn him into yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. And then you turn him into like a Clint Eastwood character, you know? It's very much. It's so. interesting. I can warp him into something like that. I think that's why the character is so interesting. Like the why the character has been such like, I mean, the one the big thing with Wolverine, why he's why he's like the most famous X Men is one, he's very much badass. You know, he's like very much down. the loner, he's, like grit, grizzly. Like he's the favorite. Know. Exactly. Oh yeah, he's by far. Um, in culture and comics or whatever, like overall, he's the most popular, at least for sure. Um, but yeah, he's very much the, like the he's the angry, angry guy. He's the one you let out of the cage. That savagery. The thing is, when he was introduced, people didn't really know savage superheroes. We had, you know, you back then you had Batman, Spider Man, Superman. These were your Boy Scouts or your, you know good samaritans and wolverine was like this that like savage hero the you know the idea of the anti-hero but someone who just let loose and was was not in control of what he was doing and i think that's why he's been very much in the forefront of x-men stories and storylines is because um they I, I think a lot of the audience members find that interesting um or readers so to speak um and you can also just kind of use him for any kind of environment you want to. He doesn't necessarily feel like you can put him in any story and it kind of works. Um, mm. and I think, and I think that's to its very much at its advantage. Like it's like, it's hard to, you can't really put Batman in a movie without Gotham. You can't really put Spider-Man in a movie without New York. You can put him put Wolverine in a movie no matter what. Wolverine in space. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Like, hey, you you know, claw, right. claws in space. Zero, zero gravity claws. So, I love Wolverine, too. I mean, I love well, the aspect of that movie and the Western aspect of this movie, or, you know, even in the beginning of the Wolverine, I think he's in the Canadian Rockies, or he's way up north, mm-hmm. um, hanging out in the woods. I love that stare down with the bear. That's the wrong, different movie, but yeah. We should do that movie. It's a good movie. It's a good. It's an interesting Wolverine? object. The, the Wolverine. The Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. It's a very interesting object. You can really tell, literally, when it turns into a common, common comic book movie yeah. in the third act. Up until this one moment, you're like, "Oh, this is like really good," and then it just turns <laughs> to, you know, Fantastic Four from 2005, Tim Story. It's like just this action. Mm, yeah. With effect. I think that's a perfect comparison. Yeah. Tim Story, another good journeyman. 
Um, you, yeah, you could kind of tell, like, what, yeah, example, I mean, um, you can kind of tell, like, when the suits would hand studio notes, and, like, even Joe Joe Johnson would be a little bit of, I mean, I feel like they, that was a safe pick for Captain America, the first Avenger, I love that movie, by the way, but I feel like they were, like, they knew that they could kind of control Joe Johnson, which is, you know, didn't he do Jurassic Park 3, too? He also did The Rocketeer. Uh, The Rocketeer. There's a movie about uh, Intergeekdom movie that I love. It's a great one. Mm. Yeah, it's a very yeah, it's very on the back background of the Intergeekdom sphere. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think five. five Pointer, who directed The Rocketeer? Or yeah, uh, just in a Rocketeer question. Probably two. Probably two, but they would maybe ask like who plays PVP body. That could be a five pointer. That's Alan Arkin, you know. Well, there you go. There, there you go. Uh, I can't give you the five points myself, but I'll send a strong letter of recommendation for Thanks. five points in your next match. I have a five point uh, lead going in the beginning. I'll, I'll, I'll send a strongly worded letter to. I'll send a strongly worded letter to Christian. <laughs> There's a character named Yukio, who in Wait. the Wolverine, who can predict future of deaths of a mutant. Oh, that's so right. She literally tells. She tells Logan, and now you think it's because Logan, uh, he has something in his heart that's preventing his healing factor from working. It's all convoluted story. But she does say, like, I've seen your death. You're holding your heart in your hands. And so when he's like, you think it's very literal because he's going to try to cut into his heart to take this uh, little cre- like spider. Uh, it's like a spider, but it's like mech, like a, a little mini robot off his heart that was like stopping his healing factor and so he's going to go in his heart and then yukio who misread the the prophecy in her brain was like no you can't do that logan i saw you you die with your head your heart in your hand and little did all of us know that what she really meant was at the end he's dead on the tree stump there i feel like he would have survived all of his other injuries it was the tree stump that was the fatal blow yeah but yeah Yeah. he's dying and then (laughs) in his hand it's her hand and so as he dies he dies with his heart in his her hand, and I think the director even went on to confirm that 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 was um, he tried to retcon it maybe a little bit, but yeah. So when he dies, Yukio's vision was right. She just misinterpreted it and thought it was his heart in his hand, but it was really his heart, meaning his daughter in his hand. Basically. It's the Wolverine is definitely connected to Logan. Whether mm-hmm. what like even though he dis- distanced himself from past like X Men story, like like you see the katana like um, in his. Um, in Logan's shitty bedroom, like it's very much, and I feel like it would be weird if Mangold di- like disrespected his own movie. Um, <laughs> that would feel very strange. Um, but that death scene, I love. That's that. I think that's people like you know when Endgame came out, everyone talked about I am Iron Man. That's like the death scene. Or in Infinity War, I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. Um, but Logan. Don't be what they made you. Kills me. Absolutely kills me. Yeah, it's Every really uh, emotionally poignant, and uh, um, it's it goes to show how how strong this movie is that it it pulls it off. You know, it pulls it off beautifully. Um, <laughs> it's it's very interesting in the in this age of of comic book movies and and big franchises that the idea of of an ending of, of a finale seems 
so it seems so difficult and um i i think that we all want a, a sense of finality or at least what it could look like um and now that we have it, I think Logan kind of set the template for that, especially for Endgame in some regard, where it's like you have to send these heroes off in a great deal of respect while making it not – while staying true to character. You, know? you have to respect your audience that's been with you for so long. I think that's – You know better than me. I'm just – you know. No, no, no. I, I agree. Everything you said, I agree. <laughs> I think you like – I think you have to basically, like, we understand how much time and emotion you've put into these movies. Here's this final swan song. Here's the death that, you know, here, here's your closure, basically. Um, But I think Logan was really, like, it might be better than all of those deaths I mentioned, because I think it's just, I think it's thematic. I mean, it's hard to compare with the Iron Man thing, because it's just, it's 20 years of that, but, like, I mean, I guess Logan is kind of that, too, but I find it to be different because it was such a, it was so many, it was so inconsistent and so messy that you didn't really know how he would end up and how, if anything, could really connect theme-wise because it's been all over the place. But don't be what you made. You just kind of put everything in this little box. It puts all of his, uh, like, his feelings, his history, his emotions, the tragedy around him, his, um dark past and it just kind of puts it in a box puts a nice little bow on it don't be what they made you that's the idea of logan is you know he was manufactured he's you know he was made into being a killer and his whole identity his whole the story of logan is his con the inner conflict of that identity am i the hero or am i the killer and i think mangold for someone who doesn't seem to too really interested in the comic book um the heightened comic book fantasy of it all understands very much the core fundamentals of what logan the wolverine is as a character even from the comics yeah yeah Yeah. um i think it's a great movie um Mm -hmm. i'm glad you picked it uh kevin because i've been really wanting to talk about this yeah, I'm glad that I picked one that you, you know, I wanted, I didn't want to, like, pick one that you guys were like, oh, this, that wouldn't be fun, so, mm. um, yeah, I, I was really excited to talk about it, and it just, it lined up with my training where I've been watching, I'm about to watch it, so I was like, oh, mm. yeah, it's, it's not off, like, there's very few, well, there's a lot, like, I, I'm very well, I'm very good at the inner geekdom only because I, I really love a majority of these movies, but still, when you watch them over and over again, there's a few where it's, like, they're really hard to get through, and, it's nice when you stumble upon the movies you really like and enjoy. You know what I mean? And I try to save those, by the way, a little insight for my training for near the end, um, the good ones. So I get through all of the dreg and the bad ones early on and just get that out of my system. So then I start leading up into the match. I start enjoying the movies a little more. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, it's very. You've probably been asked this question a lot, but what's the worst one? So out of all of the movies you watch for your training, what's the worst movie out of all? Of them? Oh, boy. R.I.P.D. I don't like. There you go. Uh, R.I.P.D. Kevin Bacon is the villain. Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. I had no idea Kevin Bacon was in that movie. Yeah. And it is, it is about the eternal affair. It's, it's men in black, but with ghosts. And the ghosts are afraid of Indian food, so you get a nice close shot of Jeff Bridges eating Indian food, which is gross. And Sounds great. 
I'm, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Anything. I try to find some joy in every movie, but that's just one that I just, I never, I like, yeah, I know enough about it now where I don't ever have to watch it again. So. And I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty, everybody always says they it's more a blessing than a curse for me, but I pretty much like most movies that I see. So it's very rare, it's very yeah. hard for me to be really bad. Like, I make jokes about Green Lantern all the time, but it's actually not that bad a movie. The extended edition is actually not terrible, but, you know, um, all the stuff yeah, on so, Oa rocks. I'm interested in talking about that movie. I, I was very close to doing that movie with you guys. Like, I was like, ah, oh, but it's too cliche, because I always say it in interviews as a joke. Maybe the next time. Maybe, maybe now that we got... I wanted a good one for our first one. Maybe the next time we can yeah, dive in absolutely. and get to appreciate it a little more. <laughs> yeah, I, I would go pretty hard with Green Lantern, because I think... Because also that's the movie that I think is, uh, I was talking to Jack. I mean, I, I guess we should save this for the, the if we ever, like, when we actually do it. But it's not necessarily, like, the worst movie ever made. It's just one of the more miscalculated. They just, they kind of just, like, they just, they they thought they were going for this and they just completely missed. It wasn't, like, it, it, it was just, they, for what they, their, the execution they were going for was just the wrong idea in the first place. And so that's. That's my whole take of that movie, and I think it's very interesting. Whatever, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Logan, Logan, um, Logan. So, should we go to favorite scene? Oh man, Kevin, do you have anything else to say about? Mm, yeah, do we have any Logan? final thoughts? Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, my I, I love the dinner scene. That's a favorite scene of mine, where they're all having dinner together, and then. You know, Charles later says this is the piece of life you could have. And when they're joking, when they're sitting at dinner with the family, I thought that was a cool scene that just made it feel like a regular movie. So I'd have to go with that. My favorite scene. Mm-hmm. I think. What about? I mean, that's an easy answer to say, but. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I stand out. I, yeah. I think that's a I think that's a great scene. Um, what about you, Jack? Or do you want me to go? I'd probably narrow it down to a. Uh the Wolverine kind of having this burst of frustration after burying Xavier. Oh, yeah. Him with the and shovel just, hitting the car. Yeah, and it, like, collapses, I think. It's just, like, you can see the kind of built-up aggression that is always on the surface, but now there's even more bubbling beneath the surface. And, uh, you know, he has that line where it's like everyone that is close to me just kind of, you know, bad things happen to the people I care about. Is that the. Yeah, that's the line. Yeah, that Um, that sounds right. Yeah, that's really (laughs) good. And that that can't be more more than true. You know, it's it's like the sad reality. It's very much a sad reality of um, someone that deeply cares about the people around him yet is so destructive because he can't help the way he is you know it's yeah it's really good stuff it's a really good exploration of uh of the fundamentals yeah yeah right before that scene you're talking about i love when so i mean it's it's just so good when you know like he was having a nightmare he wakes up laura's like you're having a nightmare he's like yeah i get you know uh, and uh and he asks, do you have nightmares um and she's like yeah i have nightmares of people hurting me my nightmares are different i hurt people 
And I think that's just really good. I think that's like that's like that's the difference between age is, you know, it, you look at things differently. Well, I, I you know, I've only killed uh, I've only hurt bad people. I mean, they're all the same at the end. They'll still be on your conscious no matter what. Um, and I think it's I think that's really dope. Um, so I'm going to go. My favorite scene, of course, is the ending of, you know, his death. You know, you know, you're don't be what they made you um this so this is what it feels like i mean i i i I really i i that scene really impacts me um it 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 real it's a huge emotional wallop and it's just done so pitch perfect um and i mean i know people complain that the hit her like making the cross into an x is a little much (laughs) yeah it's a bit like all right yeah and i still love it i think it's just because of course you would put it as a fucking x i don't know i think it made sense even though if it maybe is a bit much but like that's what you would do you would put a cross on a grave and then oh wait he was an x when you put an x that's pretty cool but it's like if it was someone like me who did not like know anything and i do not have a clay to further explain what that meant like obviously when i saw this like i knew this is x-men i like i knew the iconography but um but yeah if someone like completely did not know anything and this was just because it is very much a standalone thing like we like we've said then that moment would be like what the what was that (laughs) yeah Um, it might feel a bit random for other for those people um but i do want to highlight one scene that if because i was worried i felt like one of you were going to take the ending so my backup was his talk with caliban um i think steven merchant's really great in this movie um also merchant is incredible yeah he's great um also richard e grant is fun and i also like we i love boyd hoybrook uh hoybrook 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 whatever i can't talk yes that guy he's fantastic um i think he's a really great Tune yeah we didn't even mention that chewer. guy yeah 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 i like uh, that he's a fan like hey <laughs> i'm a fan I, I know this guy yeah yeah like he's just kind of like he's a nerd <laughs> after every time like pretty much like for the rest of the year after i saw that movie anytime someone said the word wolverine i would always pop in my head as i live and breathe the wolverine <laughs> like every time like the moment when he walks into the limousine that's the first thing he says and the way he says it i'm just like yeah like that's awesome um, did you get a robot arm too? I did. Yeah, it's yeah. it's somewhere around here. Uh, I cut off my own arm too because I'm like I, I really want to rock this or rock right. this robot arm. It was either the robot Ooh. arm or the uh, claws claw hands? <laughs> Imagine if like oh oh wait do you get that from Luke Skywalker? No, it's uh, the villain in the motion picture Logan. What's the oh, character what was his name? name? I don't yeah, remember. Right, yeah. I... <laughs> Boyd Holbrook. I don't know. He was a good actor. Um, blonde guy. Yeah. Yes. Blonde guy. Great. Or says that his dad was killed by Wolverine in the event. Oh, I love of, that. I love that because I yeah. love, but I also love the de- like the delivery of that. He's like, you know, oh my, you know, my father was in the uh, it ran the Weapon X program. He's like, oh, did I kill him? Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, like or no, uh, Logan says, I think I killed him, and Richard E. Grant's reaction is, yeah, I think you did too. It's just, it's so weird because it's also <laughs> like it. I don't know. It, it's very I, yeah. Richard great. E. Grant is very smarmy, smart. Yeah, he's just very shady and and like um, yeah, just just plays like a like a great uh, scientist who's very diabolical, diabolical. Very diabolical. Um, yeah, he's great. Um, oh yeah. But so my but, okay. Back to my whole thing with Steve Merchant. Um, my sure. my backup yeah. my backup scene was gonna be 
his talk with his heart to heart with Logan, you know, uh, I I see you wipe uh, pus from your claws. Uh, you drink. You don't sleep. Um, you know what's going on. This is ibuprofen. He's like, I don't need this shit. Fuck off. Um, yeah. I think that's really good because it's like, it's also good exposition. Logan's been fucking horrible for a while. He's been drinking. He's been, you know, he can't even see anymore. He's dying. And I love Caliban ends it like I can smell I can smell the sickness in you. You're dying. Um, I think that's I don't know. I really like that scene. I think Stephen Merchant's a great actor, so it really worked for me. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. This was a yeah. blast having you. Please come back. Um, where can everyone find you on the internet? They can find me at, uh, what is it? That would be, uh, I always accidentally give my email address sometimes, so I'm going to try to. <laughs> That's a true story. Oh, yeah, I get an email me at, uh, It's at Kevsmet is on the Twitter universe and the Instagram, I guess. Um, and, yeah, you can find me on the show. We're actually looking for your social security number. Yeah, yeah that That's works, a, too. Yeah, my yeah. Five. Every episode. That's we a five-point question. Uh, Tony Five-point question. What's your social security number? <laughs> it is. Tony Stark five. He answers to Pepper when Pepper's like, oh, you don't know anything about you. What's your social security number? He says five. So I know way too much about these movies. But, uh, yeah, you can uh, find me. I love That's it. like love you it. and Dummy. That's like the next you and Dummy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then, of right. course, right. showdown. Hopefully I'll be defending my title soon here once everything uh, gets settled down. But you can join the Patreon and see some of the exhibition matches. They've been pretty spectacular. And, uh, yeah, I've been in yeah. a couple of those. So without spoiling it, mm-hmm. uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun ride so far. So looking forward to yeah. getting into competing. So it's nice to talk out loud verbally uh, with other human beings about Logan. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to do it again for another movie. Maybe we dare talk about Green Lantern and really see, really get those views, up, those hits up on your... Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot to say. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds' favorite uh, favorite movie he's ever been in. True story. Really? Wow. No. Really? No. Oh. Right. No, he hates that movie. Yeah. He's well, never he's, seen it actually. Well, of it so much in his Deadpool scene. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually never seen it apparently, which I think is very funny. Um, Jack, where can everyone find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, I'm. Jack K. Draper on Twitter, and my writing is on the Simple Cinephile for those interested. All right, folks, you can find me at Clayfilm100 on Twitter, on Instagram, on Letterboxd. Uh, please follow the podcast account at ETTPod. Uh, you can leave a voicemail on Anchor. Remember to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, should I dare, dare, dare I ask what we have next week, or should I leave it up to, for a mystery? Um, yeah, next week we have Whiplash with Fran Hoffner. We have Whiplash with Fran. I am, I am so fucking excited yeah. for that. It's going to be oh, fun. Boy. It's going to be really, really That's fun. It's going to be fucking great. Um, maybe I shouldn't end on fucking right now. Um, <laughs> weird, weird way to say that too. Uh, oh my God. yes, I, I, I'm sorry. I've, I've dug myself in a hole and I can't get out. Um, please be safe, everyone. Time of quarantine, it's a weird time, it's a crazy time, and you're probably going insane, but, you know, hey, you know, we're all we're all a little crazy inside. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, talk to people, find, get, you know, get that support, 
you know, try to stay mentally healthy. It's 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 a hard time. Call a friend, text a friend, call, you know, say hi to a neighbor, but keep social distancing, all that good stuff. You know, we're we're all going to get through it. Be safe. Um and don't be an asshole. That's that's a big part. You know, stay stay home, stay home. Um yeah, thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on Exiting Through the 2010s. 